everyone and welcome to another Bible study here at One Love Live at Love Walk. And I am your host, Lila Winston. I pray that you are well and that God is blessing in your life. And also, as you know, we come together to read and study in the Bible to practically apply the word of God to our daily lives and also so that we can accomplish the purpose of our lives and enact that in the earth. So I hope that you are doing well. I hope that God is blessing in your life. You're taking courage and steps toward growing in the faith and also to completing your purpose every day of your life and understand how important and necessary you are, how every component of your life is important. And so today I want to talk about something that we don't talk about in Christendom a lot. We really don't talk about this. And I think it's something that we need to talk about because it's actually really very common and it happens a lot. (laughs) And it's not a great big sin. It's not something that is a little dirty secret. It's a very important aspect of our humanity. And uh, the fact that we are not uh, divine beings in the sense that we are omniscient and all-knowing. And so our anchor text is actually going to be in Daniel, in Daniel chapter 12. And we're going to read from verse 5 until verse 10. So it's only five verses. So go ahead and grab your Bible. And we are going to read in Daniel. And that's going to be chapter 12, verses 5 until 10. That is our anchor text. So I will get started. It says, Then I, Daniel, looked, and behold, there stood other two the one on this side of the bank of the river and the other on that side of the bank of the river. And one said to the man clothed in linen, which was upon the waters of the river, how long shall it be to the end of these wonders? And I heard the man clothed in linen, which was upon the waters of the river, when he held up his right hand and his left hand unto heaven and swear by him, that liveth forever, that it shall be for a time, times and a half. And when he shall have accomplished to scatter the power of the holy people, all these things shall be finished. And I heard, but I understood not. Then said I, O my Lord, what shall be the end of these things? And he said, Go thy way, Daniel, for the words are closed up and sealed till the time of the end. Many shall be purified and made white and tried, but the wicked shall do wickedly, and none of the wicked shall understand, but the wise shall understand. So that was Daniel chapter 12, verse 5 to 10. And so... If you read some of the book of Daniel, or if you read all of it, I encourage you to. There's two very interesting stories, one about Daniel, one about the three Hebrew brothers who were thrown into uh, the fiery furnace. And we know Daniel for those stories. But a lot of times we don't know Daniel as much for the many visions and dreams that he had, that he wrote down and penned that people are still trying to understand to this day. And I think it's important for us to really understand as believers that sometimes we don't understand and then be okay with that. Daniel says something really very powerful in this text. In Daniel chapter 12, verse 8, he literally says, I I understood not. 
What was he saying? I don't understand. And I think that's a powerful thing that Daniel said. And then he asked a question. It was powerful because he admitted that he didn't understand everything, even a vision, even a dream that God had given him. And certainly you would think if God gave him a dream, if God gave him a vision, God would explain it to him. But that is not always the case, right? He never attempted to do so. In this particular text, none of the heavenly creatures, God, the Lord, never attempted to tell Daniel what that meant. Instead, he kind of told him it's going to be okay Things are going to roll out in time. Some people are going to get it and some people won't. And yeah, that's going to be it for you. So in essence, Daniel never really understood it. And I think there's a power in being able to accept that and being able to say that. It really, really is. And I think sometimes, you know, as believers, or if you become a teacher, if you become a deacon, an elder, a bishop, Sometimes we don't want to say that, but there are things that you won't understand. guys, this is just an update to let you know that Love Walk is now at TikTok. You can find us at Love Walk Fellowship, all one word, at TikTok. And I just want to encourage you, don't forget to follow us at TikTok, like some of the videos, and if you want to leave a prayer request or ask a question, we can actually reach out to you right there. Remember, we are now at TikTok at Love Walk Fellowship. So welcome and come on aboard. everyone and welcome to another bible study here at one love live at love walk and i am your host leela winston i pray that you are well and that god is blessing in your life as you know we come together to study and read in the word of god so that we can practically apply it and also so that we can discover the purpose of our lives and today we're actually going to have a great in-depth study on what it means to actually fulfill that purpose in our lives. And I know we have all uh, learned uh, over the past couple years, and um, if you've done your own study on what it means to discover your purpose, to understand it, to walk in uh, the gifts of the Spirit. And just recently, we came off of a series on the fruits of the Spirit, which is going to help us, enable us to be able to um, fulfill the purpose that is in our lives. And I want to focus on something that I think is really important, not often said, and when it is said, I think maybe there isn't an understanding of the nuance behind it, what it means when God chooses someone. 
and how they are supposed to move forward in, you know, the things that they are doing and how to fulfill that purpose. But I want us to look at that today. And our anchor text is actually going to be in Deuteronomy chapter 18. And it's going to be verses one to two. And the reason I think Deuteronomy is so great is because it really is God talking to a chosen people, right? And I think that we are supposed to use the Hebrews, the children of Israel, as an example of what it means to be chosen, what that looks like, and how we live out our daily lives. We can actually learn from the mistakes that they made. So let us go ahead and read our anchor text. It is Deuteronomy chapter 18, verses 1 to 2, and it says, The priests the Levites and all the tribe of Levi shall have no part nor inheritance with Israel. They shall eat the offering of the Lord made by fire and his inheritance. Therefore shall they have no inheritance among their brethren. The Lord is their inheritance as he has said unto them. Now that's Deuteronomy chapter 18 verse 1 and 2 and that kind of sounds good and that kind of sounds bad. It depends on how you look at what it is that you want in life. If you're looking for land and you're looking for a kingdom, that doesn't seem like a great deal. Um, But if you are really looking at God as your king, as God as the one that is the um the source of your life that sounds pretty great and i think it's important to understand for the levites okay specifically he's talking about the levites in deuteronomy chapter 18 verse 1 and 2 he says that the lord would be their inheritance and i want you to remember that the Lord is our inheritance as believers. So we have something in common as believers now with the Levites, with the Levitical priesthood. And I really want us to understand that because God instituted this Levitical priesthood so that we could understand what it is that we're doing today, right? And I think it's important to understand that God is their inheritance, one, and that he is their supply, right? Like everything that they get comes from the fact that people have their face turned toward God, right? When people bring sacrifices or sweet smelling offerings, the Levites get a portion of that. So everything that they, that people do that faces the Lord it comes toward them. And I think if we can put our pla- ourselves in the place of the Levites, we can understand kind of the work that we do and the kind of uh, reciprocity, system of reciprocity that God has going on right now, you know, whether you see it or know it or not. And it is a foreshadowing when we look at the Levitical priesthood of the royal priesthood that would come with Christ, okay? Remember, we learned this in a Bible study called The Purpose of Purpose. If you get a chance, look at that, listen to that uh, podcast Bible study. You can also find it uh, at lovewalk.substack.com where you can see that it speaks very specifically about and we kind of connect those pieces together on the royal priesthood right so let's look at deuteronomy chapter 18 verse 5 i think there's a very interesting portion in that and that isn't a part of our anchor text but it is an extremely important part of us understanding what it means to be chosen so i'm going to get started it's deuteronomy chapter 18 verse 5 it says for the lord thy god hath chosen him out of all of thy tribes to stand to minister in the name of the lord him 
and his sons forever. Now that sounds really great. It's wonderful. But we understand that in time, the Levites would eventually just kind of stop doing that. We would come up with these synagogues and you would have people like Benjamites, like Saul, then turn Paul, who would be some sort of religious leader. There would be Sadducees and Pharisees and all kinds of things going on that no longer would resemble this Levitical priesthood. So in essentiality, what we see is that the Levites abandoned the priesthood. Um, The Hebrews abandoned the priesthood. And so Jesus Christ uh, is now bringing in a new priesthood. And we see that God had chosen the Levites. Remember this now. He chose the Levites. Okay, and we see that specifically, he says that in Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 5. So the Lord chose Israel. I think there's some points that we want to make when we talk about choice. We talk about what it means to be chosen by God, right? Because you have to remember these things. The first thing you have to remember is that the Lord chose Israel, right? And we see this specifically stated in Deuteronomy chapter 4 and 37, and Deuteronomy chapter 7 and 6. Also in uh, verses 10 and 15 and 14 and 21, we're seeing the Lord saying specifically, I chose Israel. I chose the Hebrews, but he goes a step further. I think this is really interesting with God is that not only does he choose the Hebrews, he goes within the Hebrews and makes another choice. He makes another special (laughs) kind of uh, group, which would be the Levites, which become the priesthood, right? So we see the Lord chose Israel, and then we see the Lord chooses Levi from among his brethren, from among the tribes, right? You can find that also in Deuteronomy chapter 21 and verse 5, right? He chose them, right, among their brethren. And then God chooses Judah as the kingly tribe. I think this is really very important among his brethren. And we see that in second Samuel chapter six, verse 21. And I'll read that to you briefly. It says, and David said unto me, call it was before the Lord, which chose me before thy father and before all his house to appoint me ruler over the people of the Lord over Israel. Therefore will I play before the Lord. Now this here is a section taken out of second Samuel where David is dancing before the Lord and Michal, which is the daughter of uh, Saul finds it distasteful. And so David is saying, God has done so much wonderful things for me. He's chosen my family to be the Royal line. He's chosen me as the royal line, I'm going to dance for him with all my might, even if that means that I dance out of my clothing, right? So this was a significant thing that he said and a significant thing that happened when the Lord chose David. So why is that significant? Well, it's significant because as one who reigned as a king, it is important to know that all of his lineage after him would be eligible for the throne from generation to generation. That is why Saul thought it was so important. That's why he kept pushing his son, his poor son, Jonathan. He's like, don't you understand what we have to lose? A kingdom doesn't pass, you know, um, it's not passed by election. It's not passed from person to person. It is lineage bound, right? And I think a lot of people do not have or live in a monarchy, I'm sorry, these days. And so it makes it difficult for us to understand what it means to live in a kingdom, right? We do not understand the concept of kingship and what it means to live in a kingdom. So when God first chose Saul, you know, there was, you know, this appointment of a man 
but it was also the appointment of a genealogy that meant his son after him would be king and his son after him or his daughter or whatever would be the queen. So I think it's important to understand that there was an, an, an very important underlying concept that they all understood. And I think that we need to understand about kingdom. They understood that if they were appointed king, that meant the people after them would be king forever, right? So that's why it was so very important. And that is why when Saul lost the throne, it was such a major thing, right? You don't win a kingdom. You don't get elected to a kingdom. It's passed down like an heirloom. It's passed down by lineage. So when David is appointed over Saul, his tribe, Judah, is also appointed as a kingly tribe, right? So if Saul had remained on the throne, then Benjamin would have been the kingly uh, tribe. But now we see that it is Judah that is the kingly tribe. Remember, Levi is a priestly tribe, right? It is a priestly tribe. Everyone that's born into Levi is automatically eligible to become a priest. Automatically. Doesn't matter who you are, right? The same thing goes for the kingdom. Everyone that's born in Judah can be a king, right? It It doesn't really matter. And so that is the point when we talk about this lineage and when it comes to being a, a kingdom and we talk about uh, a priesthood, there's something indi- indicative in there that talks about something that is continual, right? That God is trying to show us, right? So David's tribe is chosen in place of Benjamin for the disobedience of Saul. And so Saul's error teaches us some very important things just as regular people living our lives and believers. It teaches us that our choices in life will affect our children and the people that is around us, our people, you know, whether we choose to do the right thing or the wrong thing. And this is an example of, gener- of and this is not an example, I'm sorry, of generational curses. It isn't a generational curse that Saul lost the kingdom. It just has a generational impact. It means he is no longer the king, right? It doesn't mean that Benjamin is more cursed than anyone else. No one got cursed. <laughs> Everybody went on living, but they were not king, right? So it's important to think about the impact of what you do, right? How you live your life, how that's going to impact your children, how that's going to impact your the people that live around you, um, how that's going to impact your nation. These things actually matter. And I think if more people thought about that, they would be less, um, they would do less things that are detrimental um, to their lives and to the places in which they live. And I think that's really important because we see in this example with Saul that sometimes our choices can have very wide ranging consequences for the people around us. And sometimes it may be 20 years before you see it. Remember, we learn that God is long suffering and we see this not only with Saul, but we see this with the entire uh, people of Israel, the Hebrews. We see how their poor choices, even as a chosen people, led to some pretty stark and bad things, right? So in choosing Levi and in choosing Judah, God had a reason for it right? Because he was creating, you know, this earthly prototype for what would be coming, right? Both were chosen and God brought those two choices together in one royal priesthood through Christ. Remember that Jesus said, is said to come from the tribe of Judah, while John the Baptist was the son of devout 
Levites. Can you remember that? You can find that in Luke chapter one, verse 36. And so that means Mary and Elizabeth were cousins, right? This means that there was a marriage of some sort between two tribes, the tribe of Levi and the tribe of Judah, a kingly order of priests was God's original intent. And that is what God has done. He has married the tribes of kingliness and priestliness together to create this new kingly or what we like to call royal priesthood under Christ Jesus. But remember, choosing is among the most important things that we can do as humans. And we see God making choices in the earth with Israel, right? With Abraham, with Levi, with Judah, we see him making choices. And we as beings created in his image have the same power to choose, right? We humans can do the very same thing. And in truth, whether we actively participate or not, we are still choosing, right? Even if you think you're going to abdicate your choice, you're not, you're making a choice, right? When I figured that out as a, as a a teenager, it blew my mind. Someone told me that I was like, oh my God, you're so right, right? Choice is the whole point. And it is the reason that even God makes us choose when it comes to salvation, right? Choice is important. And God does not take that away from you. Even if he must allow you to decide to go into sin, to decide to go into wickedness, to decide to do something horrendous, right? He's not going to take that away from you now. I don't know why he does that, but that is how he is, right? And so we learn from this that even God made Israel to choose. And we see a clear uh, markation in that in Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19, it says, I call heaven and earth to record this day against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, that both you and your seed may live, choose life. Now, there you have it. The Lord sits before the children of Israel, life and death. He says, this is your choice, right? He gives them a choice. So in just in the way that he chose them, he then gives them the opportunity to choose him because he is life, the way, the truth, the life, right? He gives them the opportunity to choose. But God deliberately chose Israel and that is why he needs you to deliberately choose him. He deliberately chose Levi as well. And he deliberately chose Judah. And finally, he deliberately chose to merge them and reveal a new priesthood that was based entirely on choice and not just lineage, right? Because first it was lineage based. He chose Israel, a whole group of people, several tribes of related people to be his heritage. But now he's allowing us to choose him entirely, right? Now we get to choose to join the lineage of God. We choose in the same way that God chose Israel to be his lineage or the way he chose Adam. But of course they all rebelled. So it is our choice once again. Remember, everything since Adam has been God's attempt to get mankind back into his lineage by choice. Remember that. To choose mankind again. That is what God is doing. It is for this reason we see that Jesus Christ was ordained before the foundations of the world. It says in first Peter chapter one, verse 19 and 20. And this is a very key point that people overlook. 
that it was before Adam, it was before Abram, it was before Noah, and it was before Israel. Let's look at 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 19 and 20. It says, But with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. He's talking to believers here. He's talking to Christians of all ilk and all kind. Manifest for you. So if Jesus Christ was manifested from the foundation of the world for believers, God's intent from the foundation of the world was that mankind, not just 12 tribes, would have the choice to choose God, would be engrafted into his lineage. So the 12 tribes were a notable shadow of what God has always been intending from the foundation of the world, from before the foundation of the world, right? In fact, in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 4, it says that we believers were also chosen before the foundation of the world, before Israel, before Abraham, before Noah, before um, Jacob and all of the others, before them. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 1 verse 4. It says, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. So he's chosen people from all over and everywhere to be in him, right? Without blemish and in love before the foundation of the earth. So this was his intent before there were any of these iterations, any of these choices that were made along the way, right? So that means God has always had a plan for mankind beyond tribes and beyond chosen people. If being Israel mattered more, all Israel would be saved. Just remember that. But the Bible teaches us that Israel, like the Levites and like Judah, were merely a shadow of his greater intent, a pattern to what he truly intended. Because once again, if you, if believers, regardless of tribe, were chosen before the foundation of the world in Christ, then that was his intent from the beginning before there was a Hebrew or even an Israelite. So this does not take away the importance of Israel. I want you to remember this, the importance of the Hebrews, because you have to remember, Paul tells us that these people who were carried away in ships and put in bondage and chains under Babylon will also have a remnant and be saved. And they And the reason they will be saved is because they carried the oracles of God, as it says in Romans chapter three, verse two. So we know them by these things. We know that they will, they are important to God. They matter to God. The shadow matters to God because they were a tutor for us, right? The ones that he intended from the foundation of the world, right? And for this great honor, there will be 144,000 who will be sealed, who will make it to heaven according to Revelations chapter 7, verse 4. I'll read it briefly. It says, And I heard the number of them which were sealed, and there were sealed an hundred and forty and four thousand of all the tribes of the children 
of Israel. So there is something beautiful in these people that were carried in ships and chains to Babylon and taken from their land and scattered, right? God has a purpose for them, right? It it actually says that in scripture, we read it. And as it says in Romans chapter two, verse 28 and 29, we see that God is now moving toward the circumcision of the heart as an indicator of that, which includes a man into his heritage, right? We are learning from this Levitical order. We are learning from the Hebrews. We are learning from those that he chose because now we can walk and in their shadow, right? We are the form of what they were, this shadow. Let us look at Romans chapter two, verse 28 to 29. It says, for he is not a Jew, which is one outwardly, neither is that circumcision, which is outward in the flesh, but he is a Jew, which is one inwardly. And circumcision is that of the heart in the spirit and not in the letter whose praise is not of men, but of God. This is a huge point, And we have to acknowledge this, that God is saying that what makes you part of my lineage is your heart. What is engraved on your heart? So now it clearly explains the faith, right? We understand that God has made us a new creature in him, that God foremost is looking for a circumcised heart and righteousness. And it is this, which makes a man, a proverbial Hebrew, right? The Hebrew was to be synonymous with one that lived a life of love. But of course, we know the story. You can just pick up your Bible. They turn to other gods. So the Lord has created the believer who was actually lower than, um, who was actually, I'm sorry, chosen from the foundation of the world, right? We were chosen in him from the foundation, from before the foundation of the world, right? So now the believer becomes a part of this royal priesthood, a priesthood that is under a high priest, which is Jesus Christ after the order of Melchizedek. And we remember that a priesthood with, that it is a priesthood with no end, which means that there is not a need for a new iteration. So we have moved from the physical now to the spiritual and from the shadow to the actual. So we see that the shadow, which is physical is considered of less importance to God than the spiritual, but not of no importance to God. That's absolutely essential to understand. But why do we review this? Hmm? Why are we reviewing it? Because of the choice that was made to choose the Hebrews, right? And so also the choice that you get to make to be a son of God. We as believers now have the capacity to choose. And when we choose God, we choose an inheritance. We choose righteousness. We choose a kingdom. And if we are still living after the flesh, we could only inherit after our own lineage, right? If I lived after the flesh, if my father was a king, then I could only be the princess in his kingdom, right? And we see that neither Judah nor Levi could inherit after God because he is a kingly priesthood with no end after the order of Melchizedek. And that is why it had to be changed. Levi was merely a priest. Judah was merely a king. But God wanted to introduce a kingly priest. And so we plainly see then that in order to gain access to the kingdom of God, one needed righteousness. One needed the law that was the translation of love to access it. One needed to be both king 
and priest. And we see that now as those chosen, we can be the same. So you must understand the power of choice in your own life and the power of God choosing you in this present hour. Do not squander this beautiful moment. Choose life because God chose you. He chose you for life. Look at what it says in John chapter 15 and 16. You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain, that whatsoever you shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it you. Remember, God chose Saul too, but it is our choice to continue faithfully in the calling. Many are called, but few are chosen. And those that are chosen have a responsibility, a choice to fulfill the mission to which you have been chosen for. May God give you courage. Bye.